Welcome to Life Design 101, a podcast for designing an intentional, aligned, and fulfilling lifestyle. This is for the dreamers, doers, creatives, and strategists who are interested in conversations that explore the diverse and unique ways that we can align with our souls and move closer to our goals every day. I'm your host, Elena Hartung, life coach, creative, and fellow human obsessed with all things life design. Join me as I speak with experts and uncover their insights on topics from productivity to wellness to personal growth and beyond. So grab your favorite cup of tea and get ready to soak up some wisdom from leaders who each hold a piece of the fast life design puzzle. Let's get started. If you struggle with saying no, setting boundaries, people-pleasing, and overall self-care and self-love, then this episode is here to help. Today, I'm joined by Megan Martinson. She is a passionate mindset and feminine life coach, serial entrepreneur, and a lover of all things self-care. After several years of embarking on her own growth journey, she's taken everything she's gone through and learned and has made it her mission to help women discover their most favorite self and to show up as her every single day. Megan is also a certified NLP, EFT, and hypnosis practitioner, and she uses these modalities along with her background in business and marketing to help her clients thrive in both business and life. As you'll be able to tell through our conversation today, she's a strong advocate for self-love, for prioritizing yourself, being in tune with your mind, and making micro lifestyle changes in your day-to-day life. So get ready. There's a lot of really good um, actionable takeaways and inspiration that you can take from today's episode and start making changes right away. So let's get into it. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on today because I know that you focus so much on, you know, self-love, self-care and mindset in the work that you do. And those are definitely some of my favorite things to talk about too. So I am really excited to hear what you have to say, um, all of the insights that you're going to have. And um, let's get started just by, by talking about your journey into coaching, you know, I'm a coach as well. And I feel like most, if not all coaches get into the industry because they've had some kind of like personal journey or personal experience that has brought them to where they are today. And I know that's definitely true for myself. Uh, So what was your journey into coaching like, and what brought you to focus on, you know, this overarching area of self-love specifically? Yeah, great question. So you're totally right. Everyone, I think, in the space of coaching definitely has that background story that, you know, all the pieces fall into place or they had this big breakthrough. And for me, um, it was very similar. So I followed like the straight and narrow path. Like I went to school in something that I was interested in. I graduated. I got a job in my field, which I was very pleased to get right out of school and got really lucky with. So I did like all the right things um, in terms of I don't know what you what you think you're supposed to do. And quickly, I became really unsatisfied in the corporate job. And so just basically assuming, okay, it's got to be the job, I'm going to get another corporate job. And I did that three or four times, and the same feeling would happen. And basically, what I summed it up to at the time was that I was just craving kind of a creative outlet, I felt like in the corporate world, I didn't have that. So at the time, 
um, this is now back in 2017 or 2018, I decided to start a side hustle and that was in brand and web design. Um, and I was, you know, very creative. I was very visual. I really liked the design aspect. So that is the business that I started and I was very like excited about it. It was such an outlet for me and I was really passionate about it. And I took the steps to eventually go full time with it. And basically what happened is as my own um, brand and web design business grew, I had a lot of other designers and creatives reach out to me asking for advice in terms of like, how did you start your business? Like, how do you deal with these types of clients? Like, what platform or program do you use to work efficiently? And more and more, I just like really liked that side of things. I really liked talking to people about essentially the how to's of business. And I honestly like didn't really even know that coaching was a thing that you could just like naturally get into. I didn't really know um, the background of it. I had never invested in something like that. So it was very like new to me um, until as you know, social media evolves and you start to connect and follow different accounts that kind of pique your interest. And so I wanted to get into I guess, the coaching world, so to speak, at the time, because I was very interested in helping other people with their businesses. But I'm the type of person where if I'm going to do something, like I, I have to know all of the ins and outs of something to be able to then educate or teach someone um, about that. So I invested in my first business coach to essentially learn how to be a business coach. And so that was my first peak and kind of interest into coaching. It also opens this world to so many other coaches and just like connections that you make through the industry. And I really got super excited about it. So I really started in business coaching. But basically what I started seeing that happened with me as well as every single one of my clients was like, I can give you the 90 day blueprint to launch this wonderful, successful business. And here are all the systems and the platforms and the templates and all these things that will help your business succeed. But if your mindset isn't aligned, if you have these limiting beliefs, if you have blocks that are constantly coming up, it doesn't matter if I handed it to you on a silver platter of a successful business, like it's not going to work. So I was going through my own like blocks and limiting beliefs as my business grew. And so that's kind of where I shifted to um, move into kind of like the mindset space, but also um, wanting just because that's my personality to be trained and certified and educated in that area. So I kind of went in the direction of wanting to understand the mindset side to offer my clients both business and mindset and kind of I know this, I'm making this a really long story of like the self-love, but during this whole journey of going through the work, doing the work, getting coached in the mindset side of things, it brought up so much for of myself and kind of what I was going through that I really felt that the self-love, like the, the beliefs that you have, the patterns, behaviors that you have are really like the foundation of how you're going to show up and be successful and essentially like thrive in your life. So that's kind of like my direction in terms of how I got into specifically the mindset side of things, um, specifically like the self-love um, area. And it's been a journey, but that's that's the backstory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it always is a journey when we look back and we're like, oh my gosh, this thing led to that thing. And then it led to this thing. And I think I connect to so many pieces of your story too. Like 
you know, starting a job after, um, after school and then thinking, oh, it's the job. Like I need to switch yeah. jobs and then switching a couple of times and being like, okay, something's not working here and like going off on your own. And, um, and something else that really, you know, spoke to me as well is this fact that like starting a business is just a whole personal development journey in and of itself, regardless of what you're doing in your business, what kind of business it is, like just starting that and going through it illuminates so much like it mirrors back to you so much of yourself and all of the things that maybe you could have been able to ignore if you were in a corporate job and maybe you could have just kind of pushed to the side but when you start a business like you really have to bring all of yourself to the table especially when you know usually you start a business it's a business of one it's just you doing all the things and um yeah, I definitely relate to that part of your story. And it's it's funny how we start, we can start our business in one thing and then through our own journeys find that, you know, we're actually we're actually meant to be in in a bit of a different place or a bit go in a different direction. And that's definitely been the the, you know, a piece of my story as well, going from productivity to to life design and and who knows where it'll take me in the future. Yeah. So yeah. And, you know, when we when we're talking about self-love and I know you mentioned this a lot in your content online as well, is how important it is to learn to, you know, to prioritize yourself. So much of it is learning to um, to really put yourself at the forefront and not be afraid of that and be willing to um, to say, you know, set boundaries and say this is important for me and I'm going to do this because I want to and I choose to. Um, and it can be really hard sometimes when we're going through this transition or kind of trying to evaluate where we're at with that to draw the line between where are we just, you know, kind, compassionate, generous, caring people. And how do we know when we've crossed that line over into being a people pleaser, for example, right? And kind of crossing those boundaries, it, it's so hard to know sometimes, like, where where do I draw this line? What has been helpful for you in, in kind of navigating that? Yeah, people pleasing is a huge part of my journey. It's something that I've always struggled with. And it's something that I continue to work on. So essentially, people pleasing is putting the needs of others um, before your own. And it doesn't necessarily sound like a terrible thing. So people who, who often fall into the category of people pleasing, they are often seen as like really kind or generous or helpful people. Again, like those are great qualities to have. But what happens when you continue to put other people's needs or um, feelings ahead of your own, you're essentially training your mind to show that you are less important than that particular person. And when that happens over and over and over again with different people, different situations, you're constantly reminding your mind that you are less important, your needs are less important, your needs are not a priority compared to now all of these other people, all of these other things. So it's really like putting you last in the pecking order, so to speak. And so again, it's not that it's bad to be generous and kind and helpful. Like those are all wonderful qualities, but you want to make sure that it's coming from a place of love versus this place of like, I need to do this or I have to do this. And so mm -hmm. to just like quickly answer your first question of like, when, when are you like toying that line between being like this compassionate, generous person to then you're 
getting into like this people pleasing phase. It's hard because you don't want to analyze every single situation that you're in and question all of your um, feelings or emotions towards something. But a good place to really start is just like getting really in tune with yourself and how you're feeling. So following your intuition is really hard. So it's like that gut feeling that you have. So when someone asks you to do something, or maybe they ask your help with something, you what's the first feeling? What's the first thought that comes to your mind? So for example, like say someone asks you to do something on a Friday night, is your first feeling or thought before you even answer them like, yeah, like that would be so exciting. Like, does that energize you? Or are you thinking like, oh, like I was hoping to do nothing, but I really should because I haven't seen this person in so long. So I'll just like make it work. Like it's not the end of the world. I'll just do it. Like if that's the the feeling that's coming up, you've gone into this place of people pleasing because it's actually coming from a place of like fear or lack or um, kind of like that low vibrational feeling versus like this is truly going to excite me and energize me to spend time with this person on a Friday night. And again, like it's hard because you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're feeling bad about hanging out with a friend or something like that. But you want to look at each situation um, and, and see it from that point of view. Is like what is your intuition? What is your gut telling you about these things? And you want to just continue to ask yourself like is this energizing me or is this draining me? And again with these um, with these scenarios is you want to just make sure that the first and foremost you're just checking in with yourself and prioritizing what you need. So you're just like asking yourself what do I need? What would make this situation feel good? How do I need to respond to this? for me, like, I'm putting myself first, and I'm making this decision. Um, So for example, like, again, say, your sister is moving, and she needs help, like, obviously, it's probably not that exciting to lug boxes, but you love your sister, and you want to help her. So that's like a scenario where like, yes, it's not the most enjoyable thing, you'd rather not do it. But you're doing it out of the kindness of you love your sister, you want to support your sister, and you're there for your sister, like that's a completely different story. So really with like toying that line of being this kind, generous and compassionate person versus the people pleasing is just like understanding where that feeling is coming from when you're asked to do something or when you're put in a situation where you're kind of having to please someone or maybe you're volunteering for someone like where where is that energy um, coming from? So I would say like to, to answer your question, that would be kind of the first thing is just to play with that internal feeling that you have that intuition that you have and the more that you do that the more that you recognize that feeling and maybe sometimes you can't act on it like you 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 know it's going to be hard at first to to set those boundaries and to say no to certain things it's hard but the more you can recognize it the more the act of putting yourself first will become more natural because you'll be more in tune with like okay when I do this like this actually makes me feel really good whereas like when I do this this doesn't make me feel good and I would rather obviously feel good but it's being in tune with how these things make you feel Mm, yeah I think that's such a good point to think about like what's the energy behind it and what's the intention, right? Like, are we agreeing and saying yes to this because we genuinely want to do it? And like you said, it's exciting. It's energizing. It's um, even if it's like lugging boxes, maybe you're just really happy to spend some time with someone who maybe you don't get to see or whatnot um, yeah. versus doing it out of like fear or, you know, like, am I saying yes, because I'm worried that this person is going to be upset that I say no, or am I saying yes, because I'm scared that if I, you know, X, Y, Z, all the stories that happen, 
Um, or maybe it's not even fear. Maybe it's other stuff. And, and yeah. so much of the time, at least for myself, it leads to like resentment. And then you just feel bad about yourself. And then you also get these like icky feelings towards other people that you you don't want to have icky feelings towards because you do genuinely love them. But those boundaries have just been crossed so much. Yeah, exactly. And oftentimes people who are seen as like kind, generous, generous, helpful, compassionate, like whatever it is, like that positive trait, um, do struggle with people pleasing. And unfortunately, they are also the people who struggle with, you know, that feeling of resentment, feeling burnt out, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like undervalued, feeling like, un- like not loved, you know, by themselves or by other people, right? And people, people, sorry, people pleasing comes from so many different areas in your life. It could, everyone has their own story with it. And it's really just like navigating kind of where that came from, understanding where it came from and knowing that you, it's okay to change those behaviors. Mm. Yeah. And so on that note, do you find that through your, you know, through your work with people, are there general kind of themes you see come up when we look at where is this coming from? Why is this coming up? Um, Whether it's, you know, our past or our mindset, like why, why does this get started in the first place? Yeah. So everyone's story is going to be very different. So you could have developed people pleasing later in life. For example, maybe you worked in an environment that was very much that like you felt like you constantly had to do things for your boss, your coworker or whatever to advance. Or maybe you were in a relationship that was a bit more like manipulative and therefore like that's where the behavior came from. But I would say from like the majority of people, again, everyone's like story is different. It often happens in our childhood and specifically between the ages of zero and seven. And the reason being is because when we're at that age, we, our minds are developing and we're honestly like little sponges. We're just like taking everything around us from our environment, our parents, our teachers, just like anything and everything. We're soaking it all in because we're in this stage of developing our brain, our mind, and we are essentially creating our own reality of what is and what isn't. And so oftentimes, like if you think of your life between zero and seven, there's probably like maybe a handful of memories you can remember. Like we don't recall that age, right? It's so far um, down the line. But basically what happens is and and majority does come from our parents just because at that age, that's who you're surrounded by the most. You take in different situations and you tie a feeling to it. So you go through a situation, whether it's good or bad, let's just say positive or negative. And as a child, you tie a feeling of how it makes you feel. And each of us are all different. So how we take in the situation or the scenario, and we have our own feeling tied to it. Now that you've tied this feeling to it, as you grow, as you get older, when a situation happens that is similar, you're going to pull from that feeling. And then that's what essentially creates different behaviors, patterns, and habits in our lives. So I can share just like my own personal example. I'm I'm pretty vocal about it. So it's not a big deal. But my parents weren't together when they had me. And so I would see my dad like every other weekend or something. But my dad was very much like a his way or the highway. Um, He just wanted things done his way. He wanted to see me when he wanted to see me. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. Like that was very much what he was vocal about. So for me, I, from an early age, discovered that if I do what my dad says and 
you know, say yes to the things he says, he'll be happy and we'll have a really great weekend. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because ultimately I had a really good weekend. But what happened is, is now later in my life, I've associated this like, okay, if I can make the people around me really happy and do things that they want to do and, you know, um, help them out or be there for them when they need me, they'll be really happy. And therefore we will have a really good relationship. And that again, like those situations aren't necessarily a bad thing when you're you're younger, but you soak it in. I tied a feeling to that. And now later in my life, I've I've had this tendency to people please now to a fault. So I haven't just become this like kind, generous, helpful person. I'm doing out of this like fear of, oh shoot, I'm gonna disappoint someone. Someone's gonna be mad at me. This person's not gonna like that. I don't wanna rock the boat. I can just take it all on and it's fine, right? So that's like an example mm-hmm. of something that we soak in as kind of a young child between that age of zero to seven. Um, and we've just tied that feeling to it. It's our own interpretation of how we've brought it into our own mind. And then we've created a habit, a behavior pattern that has now essentially translated into something else, in this case, people pleasing later in life. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's really interesting what you said there about how it's um, it's really based kind of like on our assumption of what might happen. Right. And not that those necessarily those things would necessarily even happen or come to fruition or that that person is even going to be bad at you. But we create like these assumptions and stories and we try to predict what's happening as well and use people pleasing as a way to almost like control the outcome and and avoid you know the things that we don't want to avoid whether or not they're actually going to happen when we you know set those boundaries exactly so when it comes to setting boundaries you know what how do we get started with this because if you're if you've kind of like been brought up that way for example like you said it's just something you've kind of been soaked in in the way you operate in the world suddenly saying oh my gosh no i'm going to you know, do things differently, make a different choice, speak up about something, tell this person something. I mean, we kind of like get into these patterns, especially when it's related to other people in relationships. And it can be really hard to step out of them and break that pattern and say or do something different than our norm. So what tips do you have for people to kind of slowly dip their toes into that um, in a way that's not so, (laughs) I want to say like anxiety inducing or you're fear provoking. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say first and foremost, like understanding that any type of, let's say block, limiting belief, um, struggle that you feel like you have in this case, the people pleasing or the lack of boundaries, or even just like a lack of self-love, like whatever it is, um, that you want to put yourself in that bucket, all of these things can be essentially fixed. Like people think oftentimes like, oh, that's just the way I am. That's just my personality. That's just me. Right. And other people tie that same association like, oh, like, you know, Megan will do that. That's so like a Megan thing or, you know, it, and, and that's great. But all of these things can change. Um, these are just, again, patterns and behaviors that you've developed over the entirety of your life. And that's just kind of what you're used to. But I would say like first and foremost, if, if you're open to it, I would always recommend someone working with, whether it's a coach, mentor, like going to therapy, like whatever it is, because a lot of these um, struggles or these limiting beliefs or blocks, they come from 
your childhood. So one of the best things you can do is working with someone to get to the root of where these are coming from, because you can definitely take steps to identify it like now that you have these um, patterns. So in this case, the people pleasing, and you can take steps to fix them or um, change them or reverse them. But I would say like the biggest and best thing you can do is just like identifying the root of where this came from. Because now when you can look back at it from your adult life and the, the mind that you've now developed and you can look back, you have this like different position that you see yourself and see that situation as because you're not putting yourself back into that moment or in that memory. You're just seeing yourself like out of your own eyes, looking down onto a memory and understanding like, okay, that's what that was. That didn't need to happen. And I was a child and I interpreted it in a different way. And so just like first and foremost, like that understanding is a huge just like release for people and a a huge like start to healing these things. If you're not at the place where you want to work with someone yet, and you're just like not ready for that, maybe you don't have the time, like, whatever it is, and that's not for you, that's totally okay, too. So I would say, first and foremost, like the DIY version is to identify um, when it comes to boundaries, where you actually lack the boundaries. So I w- I like to look at all the areas of life. You can determine what your own areas of life. So for me, I say that there's seven pillars. So I say that there's relationships, financial, career, health, hobbies, community, and like your lifestyle or like personal growth. So that's like how I determine it. You can determine it in your own way. But basically like looking at these areas of your life and understanding where are you lacking the boundaries for these different sectors. Um, sections of your life. So basically what you want to do is when you kind of go through each one, what areas are giving you like a really positive feeling or what areas are giving you that feeling of like annoyance or sadness, frustration, stress, overwhelm, exhaustion, essentially like the low vibrational scale, like what's giving you, I hate to say positive and negative, but just for the context, you can obviously see the difference of the types of feelings that you have. And now that you've kind of identified, okay, these are the areas in my life that aren't feeling so good and I really want to fix. So say, for example, like you're working all the time and you're working into the night, you're working on weekends and you really want to have like that work-life balance. That would be like in your career bucket. And now you've identified, okay, I clearly lack a boundary here because I want to just work regular hours. I don't want to work on the weekends. So there obviously needs to be a boundary there. Another example could be like, say you're working with clients and you feel like every client is giving you this constant headaches, like something has got to give. You obviously want to have a good relationship with your clients. Um, Another example is like, say when you're talking to a a specific like family member or friends, so this would be like in the relationship buckets, you feel very like frustrated after you kind of... um, feel sad or triggered or whatever. So there clearly needs to be a boundary there. So I would say look at these areas of your life. And obviously, the people, the things that you're doing, the experiences that you're having, what is kind of giving you that negative feeling, we'll just say for this example. Um, And now you want to decide, okay, what boundary do I need to put in place to essentially get the outcome that I want to have. And so you want to tie a feeling to that outcome, because that is going to be the biggest driver for you to essentially follow through on this boundary is feeling a certain way, you want to feel on the high vibrational scale and feel really good. So 
for example, say going back to the example that we said about working into the evenings and the weekends, the, the what you want is you want to have a better work life balance. Maybe you want to have like your evenings free, you want to have your weekends free to hang out with your friends or your partner or whatever it is. Like that's essentially what you want to create. Now you want to tie a feeling to it. Well, if I do these things, if I don't work 24 seven, and I get to hang out with my friends and my family, my partner, and I get to relax at night, how would that make me feel? Well, that would make me feel really good, fulfilled, happy, joyful, etc. So you want to really like hold on to that feeling. And then now it's you have to put the actions into place to set that boundary. So basically, you have to decide like, okay, well, what do I need to do to actually close my computer at 5pm? So it's maybe you're setting like a non negotiable calendar appointment in your computer to say like 5pm, we're shutting down. Maybe you're looking at your workload. And if you have too much, you're choosing to delegate, outsource, um, automate, or just get rid of because you have to manage your schedule. Um, you have to make the decision that like, I'm not going to work on weekends. So you're communicating that with your clients that you're not available. Maybe you have to organize your schedule at the beginning of each week to make sure that all of your things fit in terms of getting done at 5pm. So you have to figure out what actions will work best for you for obviously the boundary that you're trying to set. And now it's just a matter of taking that action on a day to day basis. And I can guarantee you, you will fail multiple times. Um, <laughs> because that's just what happens. And our kind of like ego mind, our, our mind that's our conscious brain is going to come into action and say, well, that's not normal. Like, that's not what we do. So let's go back to the way we do things. And so you're constantly going to have to remind yourself of that. But the more that you do it, the more you will have that good feeling. So the more that you finish at 5pm, and you have that great feeling that you once like craved, you'll be addicted to trying to maintain that good feeling. Because now when you don't do it, and you have the let's just say negative feeling, it will be so much more heightened, because it's not an everyday thing anymore. So that will really push for you to continue to maintain that boundary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's so much there for people to take and kind of like, customize and apply to their own yeah. lives. Um and and it is work. And I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, you're going to fail at some mm -hmm. point. Like there are going to be challenges. There are going to be points where you might not even realize that a boundary was necessary until after the fact. And um, and so I think again, that comes back to that idea of self-love and needing some self-compassion and being able to kind of hold yourself in that time and say, okay, it's okay. Maybe it didn't work out this time. I learned something new from this. I maybe can, you know, have an idea of how I can prevent this in the future, or maybe I can kind of practice something so that next time it does come up, it's not so uh, jarring or surprising and I'm more prepared for it or whatever the case is. Um, but it does take a little bit of that just kind of softness within it as well to, to say, you know what, it's okay. Like it's a work in progress and uh, we're, you know, we're going to figure it out. Me, myself and I are going to figure it out together. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is the awareness piece of being able to recognize that you had a boundary in place and you crossed it. And that's okay. Because right now you're going through life and you don't have a boundary and you're just letting all these things happen to you. So really, if you can actually start to have that awareness of 
when you've crossed the line, like that in itself is huge because you're recognizing yourself that, okay, I set this boundary for myself, for my, like for me to make myself feel good. And I crossed that boundary. So I need to fix it now because I'm putting myself first and I'm sticking to it. So that awareness piece is really, really big. And again, like it'll just like with any habit, it'll get easier the more that you do it and the more you are aware of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, it really is a, a habit. Um, it's yeah. just putting in like those, those habits, big or small. And I find a lot of the time it's, it's easy to start small with things like this. So what would you say are kind of some, um, some smaller, like micro habits that you can kind of incorporate, um, whether it's boundaries or whether it's just kind of taking those steps towards some more self-care and self-love in general, uh, to set up and start small so that it doesn't feel like such a huge undertaking. Yeah, I think that self-love is such a big term. I don't think a lot of us can look in the mirror and say, like, I don't love myself, you know, like, that's, that's like pretty extreme to say. And also, like, we don't want to say that that doesn't feel good. So really, Mm -hmm. again, like going back to those pillars of your life, whatever you've decided to create for yourself is having a look at how your life is, what you want for yourself, and where you are now and understanding like the gap in the middle of kind of what's lacking and like what areas am I in love with what areas still need some work and giving those areas that still need some work some attention and some love essentially and I think the biggest thing is people get scared of these huge drastic big changes that is how people fail at goals that is why you always hear like new year's resolutions that failed because people want to make this like 180 change of their life and do all these things and but that's that's just not how it works because our conscious brain our main brain is working based off our entirety of our life and the habits that we've created for ourselves so you can definitely keep up a habit for a short period of time but you're going to just fall back into old patterns and behaviors because that's just our default setting. And so the best thing you can do for yourself is like, I like to call them just like micro habits or micro changes to your lifestyle, because a, those are going to be the easiest to do. They take a little um, effort. They don't cost money. Usually they're just like these small little changes. And when you make something easy, it's going to be that much more attainable because you're going to be able to keep up with it um, that much more versus something that's like this huge shift or um, something really hard to do or something very like drastic compared to your day-to-day lifestyle. So um, it's it's not just as simple as like waking up in the morning and saying like, I love myself as, as great as that is. That's definitely something to start training your mind. But you want to you want to make sure that you're doing like little things that prove to your mind that you love yourself and you feel good about yourself, especially in the areas that you feel like you're lacking that self-love so for for people it can be different like some people might have like a really hard relationship with their appearance and their body other people might have um an issue where they don't ever feel like they're going to find a romantic partner because they are not lovable other people might feel that they're not good enough to be in a certain job or do or do something that they have uh they have set out for themselves like a goal because they just don't feel like they're good enough. So everyone's journey with self-love is going to be different about and, and how you feel about yourself. So all these like little micro habits are going to shift depending on what um, you are, are struggling with in that area. But I would say like some examples could be um, just like taking the time 
in your day-to-day to make things more special and make you feel really good with the current habits that you have. So for example, every day you eat three meals a day. Is there a way that you can kind of just romanticize that meal and take a little extra step to make the setting fun or the food extra yummy? Like maybe you're trying like a new sauce or you're lighting some candles or you're, I don't know, putting out some fun cutlery or something like that, or you're making a really fun mocktail or something like that, right? So what are ways you can just put that like extra bit of love because you're treating yourself? Um, Another thing could be like wearing things that make you feel really good. I know for myself, like if I wake up in the morning kind of in a rush and I like throw my hair up and I'm wearing like my pajamas, nine times out of 10, I have like a bad day because I just feel like a frumpled mess. Whereas like if I put on like nice leggings and a nicer crew neck, even though it's still a comfies, I just feel a little bit more elevated. Like that's just personally what makes me feel good. It does not for everyone, but you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Taking yourself out for a walk or like a solo date because you're telling your mind that I deserve this. Like I, I don't need to go for a walk with someone else or my dog or with my partner because it's like a date. It's like, I'm doing this for myself. Like I want to take myself out and enjoy my own company. Um, implementing different like self-care practices into your week. Um, so that could be like a really nice skincare routine. You're taking care of yourself. That's really important. Um, taking a bath, like reading, giving yourself a massage, um, pleasure, like things like that, right? Um, You other examples are creating like a morning routine that you really look forward to so that you're going to bed and you're looking forward to the day ahead because you have a morning routine that makes you feel really good or helps you wake up or whatever it is. And another one is writing out a gratitude list. I think that's so important. I think everyone should do it. But having moments to feel grateful about your life, what's in it, what um, people you have, like situations, and just about yourself as well. Like what are some qualities about yourself that you're really grateful for and you love about yourself? And again, that's just constantly taking the time to A, put yourself first, and B, think about yourself in like that positive way and feel really good. Mm, I hope whoever was listening, you know, whoever's listening to this has like a pen and paper <laughs> next to them and was like writing down all these ideas. So many good ones, like so many opportunities to start um, and to kind of like snowball it a little bit, right? Like start with what's easiest and and take it from there. And I know I found in my own self-love practice is that it really just like builds. Like once you start a little bit, you kind of, like you said, you get a little bit of that like um, that little extra pep in your step and that extra little bit of happiness. And you're like, Ooh, that felt really good. I want to yeah. do that again. And builds and builds. And then you take bigger and bigger actions and, um, just continuously, you know, every day creating those, like you said, that, that kind of like proof that like, see, I love myself. I'm doing all these things to show myself that love. And then that kind of other part, I guess maybe you would call it like the more subconscious part of you can kind of receive that love and be like, oh, okay, like this is like, I deserve this. Like, okay, I'm getting all these things um, because I deserve it because I am worthy. I am lovable. I am enough. I am all of these wonderful things. And, um, and it, and it can start so small. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah. Amazing. So what do you see as the biggest, I guess, blocks for people when it com- comes to doing this, uh, when it comes to kind of shifting their mindset 
or taking these actions and putting those micro habits in place, what are some of those things that uh, we can maybe kind of anticipate or expect to come up and, um, and do our best to kind of mitigate right at the start? Yeah. So again, I want to say like everyone's situation is different. You don't need to fall in one of these buckets. I'm just giving like a general of, especially working with clients. These are the things that I see. This is also things that I've gone through. So I would say um, the number one obstacle that people say, and I don't want to say like excuse because that sounds like negative, but essentially like the reason that they don't prioritize themselves or they lack that self-love or different boundaries is not enough time in the day. So people, you know, because we are um, the types of human beings that we are, we're in a society where we are very giving, um, where we're going to work or we're taking care of our children or we have our parents we have to take care of or we have to go to the grocery store to feed whoever, like whatever the reason is. Um, So we say that there's like not enough time in the day to put ourselves first. Another one is just feeling bad. So again, when you have other people in your life that you have to take care of or even work or whatever, you feel bad about putting yourself first because you're like, oh shoot, like I should really like prioritize that person or or whoever it is, right? So feeling bad is another one Um, looked at as being very selfish. So again, we aren't. Um, it's not natural to us to essentially put ourselves out there, put ourselves first. Again, we've grown up in this society where we almost have to ask for permission for everything to do everything. Even thinking back of like when you're in middle school, like you have to raise your hands to go to the washroom. Um, so we've just like kind of adapted these routines of it's not, it's not our place to just like put ourselves first right and so we see ourselves as selfish if we're doing that and another thing is because again like the the society and the environment we've grown up in we we can take on a lot and we can deal with um being a parent we can take care of having a full-time job um having a side hustle, like being on technology, going to the gym, having three meals a day, like all of the things that you have to take care of in a day and we can handle a lot. So people, again, put their feelings aside, put their emotions aside and say like, I'm fine. I can do it. It's no big deal. Like I can take this on. Um, It's not the end of the world. Like look at all these other things that I'm doing. Right. So those are like some common reasons like obstacles or whatever like word you want to tie to it that people struggle with prioritizing themselves that come up time and time again and again I don't want to like call you out because I'm calling myself up but it truly is just an excuse and the more that you can recognize how important it is to prioritize yourself because the better you can be the the if you can put yourself in this constant state of feeling good, you are going to perform way better for all the people in your life, your job, you're going to be more successful, you're going to be, you're going to have better well being, like all of those things are going to improve if you feel good. So if you're constantly kind of draining your bucket in all of these areas, you're not going to be able to perform at the peak performance that you want to perform at, right? So all of these things are true, like, you do have a lot going on, maybe do feel bad, you maybe do look a bit selfish to some people, whatever it is. But really, like, if you shift that mindset to say, like, no, I'm a priority, if I put myself first, if I make myself feel really good, I will be able to make everyone else in my life or whatever my work feel good too. Mm, Yeah, 
so much in what you just said there for people to kind of reflect on and uh, maybe even like journal about and just ask some questions of like how um, how am I maybe using this as an excuse? And maybe there are some very real kind of like time constraints or obligations that we truly yeah. cannot you know, just skip. Um, but there's usually at least a few things that we can kind of make different decisions about and experiment with. Um, and I know for myself, you know, as you were speaking, especially on that last point about, you know, selfishness and such, I think so t sometimes we can kind of get in a little bit of like a victim mindset as well as like all of this stuff is happening to me and yeah. I'm just sitting here and I have to deal with it and take it on and just juggle it and manage it, et cetera. And, um, and that's not really an empowering place to be. Like there are some things outside of control and it's important to realize like what those things are yeah. so that we're not stressing unnecessarily about things that are just, you know, not in our hands. Um, but what is in our hands and, are there certain expectations societally that are making us think that we have to keep up all of these appearances and keep doing all of this stuff and appear a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think yeah. it's so important to all some reflection. And I know I've definitely done a lot of reflection, like how am I perceiving myself as like a martyr and kind of like as self-sacrificing in order to do all of these things for others or even just for like not even for anyone specific, but just for, uh, I'm like using air quotes, like yeah. other people or others or society in general. Like we sometimes don't even have like a specific person in mind when we're saying these things. Totally. Um, yeah. And I think going back to what you were saying with the journal prompts is oftentimes when we get put into these situations, we just default to our regular habits, behaviors, patterns, thoughts, whatever it is, um, to essentially come up with these reasonings as to why we can't prioritize ourselves. So going back to um, taking that time to journal, when something's coming up for you, ask yourself or journal about like, what would happen if so for example, like, using the same example that I've used the whole time, and you're feeling guilty about, you know, finishing work at x amount, or X time because you have so much to do. It's like, well, what would happen if you finished at 5 p.m.? Like answer your own question. Like would everything blow up? Like would your work not, like would your work suffer or would you get fired? Like what would truly happen if you finished work at 5 p.m.? And then again, going back to those feelings, it's like how, how would I feel if I finished work at 5 p.m. Um, instead of if you're finishing at 9 p.m. or something like that, right? So again, it's just once again, taking that step further to understand like where these patterns are come from. Like, are you even thinking them? Are they truly a reality? Or is it just something that you've internalized as um, like your own thoughts and feelings, right? So I think having that powerful questioning associated with like, what would happen if, or what would happen if I tried to put myself first, or I said no to this person on the Friday night, what would happen, you know? And I think a lot of that will help people, A, with the awareness side of things, but B, just understanding that it's okay to have a different, essentially, response to something that they've always um, had. Yeah. I feel like we've just touched on like literally the tip of the self-love oh, yeah. self-care iceberg. There's so much more to get into, so much more that we could talk about and so many like nuances to this conversation as well. 
I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening and are like, okay, this is like not the end for me. (laughs) This is the beginning. And there's so much that they want to explore. And I know that you have a free community for people to, to learn more about this and to get in touch with you a little more often and, and learn from you and grow in that way. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to start by saying that if you listen to this and you were like, yes, I I'm feeling this way. I'm, I'm struggling with this and I want to dive deeper into this, I would say is search for like a different mentor or coach that you feel really aligned to. Um, and that would be a great step to work with someone. But outside of that, if this is just like piquing your interest, and you're like, okay, I want to like dip my toes in this and get a better understanding. Um, yeah, I have something it's called the soul circle. And it's an event that I put on on the last Wednesday of every month. Um, so the next one is May 25th. And it's at 7pm Eastern time zone. So basically, it's a space where we get together and we chat about various topics like these. Um, So different like limiting beliefs or like feminine and masculine energy, self love. So each kind of month we'll have a different topic. But we'll also kind of work through different healing modalities like energy work, meditations, hypnosis, EFT. So we'll kind of incorporate that um, based off the topic and it's completely free to join. Um, So I will share those details with you that I'm sure you'll share to um, kind of join, join the circle if you're interested. But that I would say is a great place to start because not only will you be able to get like that education and like that knowledge piece to better understand these things, um, you'll also get access to these healing modalities that are a great start to your own journey. And then you also get access to everyone else in the circle because I think a big part of when we're on this journey, it can feel very lonely. So having kind of that community feel is really special as well. So yeah, completely free at the soul circle. And I think you should join. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, I'll definitely add the link um, for that in the show notes so people can find that easily. Um, Outside of that, where else can people kind of follow along with you and get connected with you? And if they did resonate with you and your approach, especially, how can they get in touch with you and learn more? Yeah, so everything I'm mainly on Instagram. So at Megan Martinson underscore. So M E G A N M A R T E N S E N underscore. And everything is on there. You can access like my email, um, all my like offers, obviously the soul circles on there as well. So I would say that's the best place to connect. And honestly, just DM me. I'm happy to chat more about all of this stuff to see if it feels in alignment. But I would say definitely like seek out um, different mentors or coaches or um, thought leader speakers that that have kind of the area that you feel like you're struggling with in your life. Mm. And I'm going to add if um, if you do go and follow Megan on Instagram, you have to watch her stories. <laughs> I feel like you always have like every day there's like something new and valuable going on in your stories. And you're so good at always kind of like putting that out there and sharing how all of these principles have been showing up in your life and what you've been doing to maybe overcome certain things. And um, and it's really um, both inspiring and educational at the same time. So I'm just going to put that out there. But thank you so much, Megan, for coming on today, for sharing all of this um, amazing wisdom and insight with us. I'm sure many people are feeling very inspired and uh, very uh, kind of reconnected and ready to continue on this journey um, if they've already started or definitely ready to dip their toes and, um, and maybe take a few steps into it as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, I'm sure we'll 
connect again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Life Design 101. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you left a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps us spread the message to more ears and create an even bigger ripple effect for a better world. Thanks again and see you next time.